With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Salutations, Mets fans. Welcome to this week's edition of For All You Kids Out There, a Mets-adjacent baseball prospectus podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. With me once again this week is Jarrett Seidler. Jarrett, 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 Jarrett. Uh, we do have some actual Mets front office and field staff news to cover. The World Series, obviously, is going on in the background. It's the off day. It's 1-1. Yes. But uh, in the words of AEW play-by-play announcer Excalibur, you have to give the people what they want. So we will start with this week in Zach Wilson. You watched this game. I didn't watch the entire thing. I actually listened to a lot of the earlier part of it on the radio. But mm. yes, I did watch the important parts. Yes. You should the uh, Jets won 13-10 in overtime. He was not the worst quarterback in the Snoopy Bowl. Was he the... He was the best of the three, I would assume? Is he better um, than Tyrod Taylor? I, I don't think so. I, I mean, again... <laughs> Tyrod Taylor so, went four or seven for eight yards. We should right. Say. So what we're what you have to again. This is the you're getting the dog to pee outside thing. Yes, yes. His stats look really good because he completed two deep post routes against um, prevent defense with under twenty seconds remaining. Yeah. Um, which sure. I think yeah. got them the game tying field goal. Yeah, and he completed. You know, Brees Hall had a catch-and-run earlier in the game for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, so so your stats look nice um, because Under 50% completion rate. This is like some YA Tittle shit. 17-36 yeah, for 240 yards. <laughs> so I compared this to the uh, a game I was at, the famous Jets-Cardinals game, where yes. they punched Mark Sanchez mid-game for Greg McElroy. Yeah, you were at that game. I was at that game. Mm-hmm. It's when I had season tickets. Um Kevin Clark on Twitter uh, compared it. When I brought that game up, he, he responded um, that he compared it to the Cardinals Seahawks tie game. Wow. There's been a lot of like, another. I feel like there's been a fair amount of like 9 6 Steelers Ravens games over the years. Yeah, but too. those were like actual good defenses. This was just <laughs> yeah. offensive ineptness. Fair. Um, the, the Giants would not throw the ball until they got to overtime and were literally just like running. Saquon Barkley on three inside zone plays and freely punting. Yes. Um, like, that was their offensive game plan in the second half to protect a three-point lead. The Giants which, quarterback pairing run, 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 uh, six for 14 for negative nine net yards. Yeah. Uh, we had a request from Brady to, for yeah. a Tommy DeVito scouting report. I mean, I don't know what how you would... <laughs> Two of seven, negative one yards. Did he attempt to throw the ball past the line of scrimmage more than once? I don't know. Uh, he's from Del Bosco Prep, apparently, so of, of interest to this podcast, certainly. So what I what I would say about Tommy DeVito mm-hmm. is if you trust a guy that little, 
that you won't let him throw the ball past the line of scrimmage. You just have Saquon Barkley running like the. It's not even that. It's like, what is this guy even doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, in your sure. Organization like this is, you know, um, didn't play a whole lot in college. Well, he yeah, yeah he didn't. Uh, he trained. He, was, he spent was a four years year starter at... at Syracuse and a, like a half year starter at Illinois. No, he's he. I mean, it's, it's thirteen games. I don't know. I guess I could get. I I. I... <laughs> I have his uh, football reference page open, so I can see. No, yeah. he uh, he started 13 games for Illinois and right. threw for 2,650 yards, 15 but, touchdowns, like, four picks. You can sign guys off of the street. Yeah, Carson Wentz, Nick Foles, etc. Oh my but God! Can... I found. I may have found a word. I so I was curious. So I clicked on this uh, last year, uh, a little over a year ago. Illinois versus Iowa. Uh, would you like would you like to guess the score of this game? Six three. Nine six, very close. I was I was running, so I was looking like he had mostly normal uh box scores. He may not have started this game. That's okay, that's why. Because like Arthur Sitkowski, I don't know if he got hurt or, or whatever. Former Rutgers legend Arthur Sitkowski. Yeah, I don't know what he's up to, but he uh I I assume he's on his way to being a high school football coach, probably in New Jersey. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> Feels like uh, yeah, he was oh. at Illinois for a couple years. Uh, it's always good when uh, you're, you're. So he is, in fact, the assistant quarterbacks coach in Illinois. Oh, there you go. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, it's always good when your college football reference page uh, under class goes freshman, sophomore, junior, sophomore, junior. Yeah, I mean that's a weird. Cult some yeah, that's yeah. Right. some some NCAA that's magic there. Uh, but yeah, um, I don't know if he got hurt during that game, but he went six of eleven for forty-two yards, which is why I clicked on it. And then you got what was uh, you know a very clearly Illinois Iowa game. Uh, the only game that year he threw for more than three hundred yards was against Chattanooga. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. I, I found the quote we were discussing before we okay. went on the air. Matthew Perry passed away in this movie. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite Westland quotes. You know, not for nothing, but the people that I talk to don't believe that story, and the people that you'd like don't care i know i will not explain what we were talking about before the episode <laughs> no we definitely won't uh this yeah. is four four thirty nine for all you kids out there i believe probably uh i'll figure it out before we do housekeeping i'm having a beer i'm having a real beer is my excursion into the world of non-alcoholic drinks continues uh the St. Egriest out of Brooklyn, uh, their Amaro Falso is about the best thing. It is 439. About the best non-alcoholic mocktail I've ever had, and it's just like an Amaro soda, fake Amaro soda in a bottle. Uh, their phony Negronis, all right, it's like a hair too sweet. I could probably kill that with some grapefruit bitters, but uh, I've had some more of the athletic stuff. Their, stout, their stout's very good. Uh, I, I did try Zero Proof Bourbon. It's supposedly the best Zero Proof Bourbon. It's won like gold medals and stuff. Uh What's I'll do the other West Wing quote. What's the 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 Leo one when he's drinking water? It has no properties or taste whatsoever. Yes, <laughs> that is how I felt about the zero proof bourbon. But tonight, uh, it's been a long week. Prospect lists start uh, T minus a week and twelve hours from now. Yeah. So I'm drinking a blueberry pancakes imperial pastry stout bourbon barrel aged from TF Brewing in Salt Lake City. It's twelve percent. I'll call by volume. It is a full pint. I've drank a fair bit of it out of this. Uh, also, Templin Family Brewing branded uh, Taku glass. Oh. So we'll see how the show goes. I will try to get it up tonight. 
we don't have that much to cover, but we'll start with the vague front office and field staff news of the week. And <laughs> Jarrett, yeah. uh, I'm sure you haven't heard this before, and I'm telling you this for the first time. Uh, but Craig Council is going to interview with the Mets after they saw it <laughs> and were granted permission by the Milwaukee Brewers. Like I believe he already, I believe he already has interviewed. Sure. As of Tuesday, they don't need permission anymore. It might be Wednesday. Yeah, whatever it is, yeah. But um, but yeah. Um, look, um, it's not a, a done deal. To be clear, league, it is yeah. not a done deal. There was a leak last week that Craig Council, as a former major league labor leader, feels that it is his duty to um, set the high salary bar in kind of a similar way that you heard Max Scherzer talk about yeah. two years ago. Um, it's around $5 million a year. Yeah, which is not the record. The record is actually, the record is still held by Joe Torre. Yes. That's how much manager salaries have deflated in the last couple well, again, decades. Again, when you're hiring random special assistants right. and fresh out of, you know, mainly players been. that have made a fair bit of money too in a lot of cases. Right. Like you don't think of, you know, I'll use David Ross as an example, right? Like David Ross, I probably should get off the college football reference page before I start searching for David Ross. Oh, there's one from Oregon State and one from Texas A&M. I just see the sports reference box and I start typing. But, uh, you know, David Ross played in the majors for 15 years. You know, primarily, almost entirely, in all honesty, the backup catcher. He also made, you know, $25 million or thereabouts. Which is not an insignificant amount of money. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's... Um... Look, it's either going to happen or it's not. Right. Um, the Mets have continued putting out there that he's not a lot. They're casting a wide there. net, et cetera, right. et cetera. You know, look, the Mets front office is currently under investigation by the legal office. And those investigations. There's been more can, news on that. Yeah, we should do. Those investigations can widen pretty easily, and they're not going to do anything um, to jeopardize either a tampering or a ceiling rule claim, right? Yeah. Because, you know, they're, un, un, they're under investigation, so you're this, not going to... So we, let's talk about that briefly. There's been more reporting on that this week. And I think my, Rob Manfred talked about it as a little wrap-up before the end of the year. Yeah. Look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the Mets didn't do some shady stuff with, with their IL and rehab management. Because we, you know, joked about it for several years now with, like, the Tommy Hunter back spasms and things like that look, lots of teams do stuff like this. And this might be a case, as we said with the, when we were talking about the Astros last week, where the Mets just took it 25% farther, further than any other team. I also, I don't want to, I, I don't want to make it seem like I know this is what they're investigating. Mm -hmm. Tim Castro right. appeared to go on the IL with a phantom injury. He played in the game after they leaked. They were calling up Brett Bate. Yeah. And then magically had an injury because they were also, they had been talking for the few days earlier about how they couldn't lose Tim Castro on waivers. <laughs> yes. Can it? Yeah. So we've, potential... had, we've had a lot, we've made lots of jokes with the Mets not wanting to put people through waivers either, which is not really a joke because they don't want to put people through waivers. Yeah. And he would have had the ability to opt out and become a free yep. agent if he which, wanted. Which, you know, some other team that was probably better positioned even at that point in the Mets make a playoff run, you know, you look at stashing Tim Castro on the back of your bench, you know, like so he, he Tim suffered Castro a, would have been very useful as a late inning pinch runner for the, he suffered Astro, uh, the diamondbacks right now. 
what appeared to be a very blatant phantom injury. Yes. And then they sent him on rehab assignment for, the very for, what, blatant, right. for what appeared to be a very blatant phantom injury. They sent him on an extended rehab assignment, and then he suffered a severe actual injury on rehab. Mm. That hurt that guy's career pretty badly. Um, and that's the point where... That's the point where you're going to want where people other than the league are going to want to step in. His right. agent's going to want to step in. His players' association is going to want to step in. Again, that's all pre assuming that this was a phantom injury and this was a phantom rehab assignment, which we mm. don't know. But at the time, people were making jokes about that being a phantom injury. Right. And, and then he know, suffered a very different bad injury on rehab. So he's not the only player that happened to last year either. Uh, Edwin Uceta underwent uh, a tore his meniscus uh where is it as it's put at this uh on cbs sports which i assume is baseline context called from an anthony Tacoma report who said it injured his knee just as he was nearing the end of his recovery from a left ankle sprain he's been on the shelf since late april and this was uh in june when this report came out and now his absence will be extended at least another eight weeks the Mets could soon transfer him from 15-day IL to the 60-day IL. The difference yeah. between Aceta and LaCastro is Aceta had options left. Right. Yeah. Although they did just end up DFAing him towards the end of the year. Right, but if you're going to... Phantom IL is necessarily going to end up being vested veterans without options. Yes. Tommy Hunter. <laughs> right, because otherwise you're not going to do that. Um, and again... This became blatant enough that people like us, in fact, were making jokes about it. Right. The Mets are not the only team that was aggressively and blatantly manipulating the I.O. in this way. Any Ross Stripling interview from either the Giant, both teams, really, with Ross Stripling. Yeah. But the but the idea is that they may have had one that was bad enough to get caught and warrant punishment. Yes. Eventually, you know, you gotta you gotta set a line somewhere for these teams. And this is with a with a guy with a fair amount, as you with Castro, is a union member, been in the majors for a number of years. Again, we don't know if it's Castro or not. But that would be the kind of situation where the league would look at this a little bit more closely than the Dodgers cycling back right. into the forty relievers. When when this came out the two names that every Mets fan went to were Tim LaCastro and Tommy Hunter. Right. Doesn't mean those are the names. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like you can say like from, again, I don't want to speak to whatever Tommy Hunter's point of view on this, but you know, Tommy Hunter's yeah. had a long major league career. And by right. doing this, he keeps picking up his major league peer DMs while he's on the IL, right? Right. That's why it's, it's... You know, a good company, man. Well, LoCastro is a little bit younger, you know, still trying to on the fringes of a major league roster, trying to stay there. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, and that's, he's not, these aren't the only two guys that got found in my L either. So, (laughs) you know, that's just, you know. If you become a team that's notorious for this, right? Eventually, they're gonna look. There's like we there's. I don't want to say like there's, there's gray areas and where the league will allow you to operate in a number of things, whether it's 
international free agency, probably most notably. Uh, you know, Phantom yeah. IL stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, sign stealing. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, sign stealing is legal, but cameras aren't. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not only true in baseball either. So. You know, <laughs> there's, you know, even before we had the replay cameras, right? They had the man in white in right. the Sky Dome. You know, let's, let's look through Matt's um, transactions this year. Sure. I'm guessing Why I can not? find some. It, I'm, 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 you know, mm-hmm. doing a, do, you know, there's a, there's a point to this. Yeah, and, sure. you know, they were, they were ILing guys and sending them on rehab assignments. Right. So it's one thing to, I, you know, clear the roster spot for two right. weeks or whatever. It's another right. thing to then send them. Cause you have 30 days once you send them on rehab assignment too, to really, right. you know, push the decision point out or whatever. And like with LeCastro, I, you know, looking at it from the Mets point of view, you want him as your like late season pinch runner, fifth outfielder, speed playoff guy, right? That's the plan from the start. So the longer you can keep him down in the minors, the easier it becomes to carry him for that period of time. Now, of yeah. course, that did not end up mattering uh, for two reasons. One, he got hurt. Uh, and two, the Mets were nowhere near a playoff spot this year. But yeah, you know, you, you just you kind of you look at this, and there's some, um, you know, I'm sure Steve, like Stephen Stephen Negoson, the Mets were purportedly frightened to put their waivers With, um, on two going two years now. Yeah, right. You know. Placed on IL, left elbow bone bruise, April 15th. Rehab assignment, April 22nd. Rehab assignment, April 26th, somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, This rehab assignment, I believe, stretches like a while. Um, I can, you know, these are actually kind of hard to, yeah. Um, Activated May 1st. Mm -hmm. So they got him down to the minors for like a week and a half without Mm -hmm. having to do it. There, there's more of these. Yeah, this is sure. not the only right. This is not the only one. Um, you know, of guys. You know, they're sashing guys. Yeah. That, you know, I have no earthly idea if he was actually hurt, wasn't hurt, whatever. But you know, this is not actually legal. Right. Is the right word right well it's it's uh so it's like anything else right we've talked about how if you mri a pitcher you can probably find some sort of arm damage right oh this negotiate case it was an arm although hunter it was and you can find something you're a person in their 30s i back when i worked in insurance one of our like workers comp people said if you essentially if you took an x-ray of any you know the average 37 year olds back you're gonna find some sort of discompression somewhere yeah. that's just uh you know i'm sure all the it, 30 and 40 year olds out there know how their back feels I mean, on a given day look, if, if you but i'm saying like there it's just like the this is the same kind of idea of like service time manipulation right it implies you need to have good faith right there's 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 like four really suspicious looking il transactions over the course of 2023 going through it yeah. where um a few pitchers plus Tim Castro. Yeah. 
get placed on the IL at very convenient times, yeah. frequently. Um, in LeCastro's case, when they wanted to call Brett Beatty when the team was scuffling a little bit. In the pitcher's case, mostly when they needed a fresh arm because yeah. they torched the bullpen or needed a starter. Um, where guys go on the IL for... Um, several of them went on for back spasms, quad strains, nebulous elbow bruises, etc. Um, were sent on rehab in the minimum permissible time, which is a week, mm-hmm. um, and then had rehab stints extending longer than three days, which yeah. would be the minimum. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's that's sketchy. Yeah. Um, you're going to find that with every team. I'm guessing if I go through 2022, because there's, um, you know, there's rumors that, you know, 2022, you know, also, yeah, I mean, Darren Ruff on the IL with a neck strain when they wanted yeah. to call Francisco Alvarez the last transaction of the season looks less bad. Mm-hmm. And they put Ruff on the fucking playoff roster a week later. Yep. Um, you know, neck strain how do you prove a neck strain i don't know that you know the same tommy hunter lower back tightness pops yeah my back doesn't feel good i think i've made this sketch about it yeah no i did it in a uh just in a bp article i might have i don't remember um it's like it's an imagined conversation where it's like buck schwalter going tommy hunter how you feel today kid pretty good boss uh, I think your back hurts. Okay, boss. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. You know, Tommy Hunter, you know, ends up on the bed, the back injury twice here. Yeah. Um. I assume the Stephen Nagosik twenty twenty two oblique strain was real <laughs> because, again, you usually don't fake an oblique strain. Sure. Um. But you know, um. There's there's a bunch of these, you know. Tommy Hunter low back tightness again. <laughs> this is all to say that the uh mess are under a little bit of a microscope. Look, they can't announce the council thing till after the World Series anyway at this point. So I mean they can. They could theoretically announce it on the Monday, Tuesday, and off. Thursday off day. Sure. Um I don't think it's particularly important that they do that, but Yeah. And then we don't know how close it is one way or the other. I mean, yeah. it would be but there. it is, it is telling that I can narrow down the half dozen yeah. ones that it's also know. telling that you can only narrow it down to half do- a half dozen. Right. Yeah. I can, I can, if we're looking at suspect transactions from 2022, 2023, you're going to get, you're going to get all the Tommy Hunter ILs. Mm. You're going to get the rough neck strain. You're going to get with Castro. You're going to get a couple pitching moves in 2023. I feel like there's um, some Jimmy Yaka bonus in there, probably. Yeah, there's a, there's a Jimmy no, They Yaka did bonus. actually DFA Jimmy Yaka bonus a couple of times as well. Yeah, there's Jimmy Yaka bonus. There's a Steven Nagosik. Um, you mentioned Usetto. Usetto, yeah. I think, is a little less likely because he had options. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you can narrow it down to which, you know, which ones look weird and it's not that hard to figure out, which, you know... One of the issues that the Mets are going to run into is that the league has the ability to look at all of their internal communications about this shit. So yeah. if, they, if they texted this, if they put it in emails... I mean, they, were smart enough, they, were, they were smart enough not to put the Aaron Judge... We're not going to bid on Aaron Judge. Uh, right. Yeah. 
stuff um, on the record or you know online. Right. But. So if this was um, just in and look, maybe it's not real. Maybe these are all real injuries. Mm-hmm. We don't know. We're just we're telling somebody you somebody complained to the league, right? Right. So, I'm um, I'm looking through the transaction log and I can tell you that there's fortuitous, <laughs> hard to define injuries of out of option veteran players. That's all I can tell. You. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Tommy Hunter, Darren Ruff, Tim Castro, um, Jimmy Akabonis, uh, Steven Nagosik, all guys that were out of options, all guys that at the time that the Mets needed to make a move had a magical injury pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, very possible they were also hurt. Um, I don't know. Um, I just know that we made an awful lot of jokes about Tommy Hunter's back at the time. And here so, we are. Right. Um, and, you know, that ultimately... The, the the worst part about all of this, and if Billy Epler ends up losing his career over this, is the dumbest shit imaginable. Right. None of these players had any organizational value, like, at all. Right. We're, talk, we're talking about... But you look at, like, there's certain 20, kind we're of... We're talking about a 26-man pinch runner, and we're talking about... We're talking about utility arms that didn't have any utility left. Yeah, like, rule That's three That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Right. Which they we don't are, have a lot of, but they didn't right, have a lot know, of. We're, but, yeah. we're talking about most of these guys ended up getting DFA'd and left the organization anyway. And it yes. didn't matter. And have since somehow sometimes gotten DFA'd by other teams as well. Right. You know, they did not. LeCastro is the only one where that's not true. Yeah. But again, LeCastro is not. That's true because LeCastro was out for most of the season because of the guy right, in the wrist or the hand. Yeah. He played him at the end and he had his one of his best seasons in which he hit 232 338 393 mm. as a 30 year old. Yeah. He has one major league skill and it's getting hit by pitch. Yeah. Which is what ended up uh, getting him oh, injured in Triple A. At the plate. He did yeah. run in the yeah. field too. But at the plate. Um Yeah, so it, the idea that you'd like risk your career or risk the organizational hell to keep Tommy Hunter in the organization. But to like, the other thing is keep Darren Ruff in the organization. There's a certain kind of ops slash process front office guy that loves this shit. They love nothing more than trying to maximize the back end of their 40 man roster. Uh, you know, Cyrus has written about this at the athletic and like interviewed these people and they love it. Yeah. But again, it's like what's the actual marginal the Mets, value the Mets here? Did, the Mets did this for guys who weren't any good. Yeah. Well, like, they kept like not... they while well, they like did stuff like stretch Danny Reyes out as a starter in Triple A, right? Instead of like, just using him as a in, instead of Danny making Reyes. Tommy Hunter an optionable reliever through his recurring back tightness, yeah. you could have just gotten an optionable reliever the quality <laughs> of Tommy Hunter. It's not that hard. Right, it's like it's. I don't know. I don't know what William just, did this year, but like you can. It's like again, these are these guys are often on the DFA wa- waiver wire, so you can claim guys of right. relative it's quality just, off the, the DFA waiver it's wire. It's the stupidest it is. thing to lose your career over to put the organization well, in jeopardy of draft pick losses over. Well, it sounds like the Mets could use some help in pro scouting then, Jared. Yeah, which brings us to the other news of the week, uh, as reported by John Morosi. The Mets have uh, have interest in offering uh, Dan Kantrovitz some sort of high-level scouting job. He is currently the president of scouting, or vice president of scouting, I should say, for Chicago Cubs at the, the Athletics before that. 
you know, has been a, a hot GM candidate, certainly in recent years as well. Yeah, before that was the amateur scouting director of the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. He came up through the Cardinals or right. um, one of the most highly regarded non-GM POBO front office functionaries in the sport. Yeah, he's probably one of the, I don't know how you want to compare his job title to other people's, but probably one of the five or so best scouting directors in baseball right now. Right. Yeah. Um, this would obviously, this would, one, I think be a little unexpected because this is not, this is, uh, I, I mean, like if you go back far enough, the Cardinals and the Astros actually are the same tree. Yes. Yeah. Um, sure. But yeah, very broken branches. They're all the technically the Mazeliak tree, I guess. Right. Um, like if you go back far enough, but this is not like somebody within the Stearns, Astros, Brewers, Orioles right. orbit. Um, which is a good sign because it means he's hiring the bet, the actual best and the brightest instead mm-hmm. of just, you know, that, um, you know, if they could war him, that would be a, that'd be a big get, um, especially for their amateur scouting. Right. Um, it sounds like it sounded from the Morosi tweet that it might be a broader role than just like an amateur scouting director type role. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cubs have gotten really good at certain kinds of player development. I will not profess to have personal knowledge of his involvement there, but my understanding is he's involved there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as was Craig Breslow, who became the president of, or whatever. President of chief, baseball. Chief baseball officer. I think it's just president of baseball. Maybe it's chief baseball officer. Whatever, yeah. whatever title they gave him. Just like a four-level jump from yeah. what he's doing, which, God bless, maybe he'll be really good at it. I would not want to turn over one of the iconic franchises in baseball to maybe he'll be good at it. Um, I would want a little more certainty there, but, you know, they had 11 that's, different that's people. Say, that's also an upgrade over... He's also probably the best candidate they had left once they didn't... Uh... Right, they had eleven different to people with turn Levine, them so. down. Yeah. so I think that's. It sounded like it was him, Neil Huntington, or Gabe Kapler. So, right, um, you know, that's the Cubs very quickly. So Cantorans went there in 2020. I mm. would reckon between not having his people in and the COVID year that the 2020 draft was probably a. Um, Transitional year for them. Is that a good way to call it? Sure. A lot of times the amateur drafts lag a year when the director changes. Right. Um, we've mentioned that previously. Um, and if you start looking at 21, 22, and 23. Yeah, so I mean, I'm working on the Cubs list are... right now. So right. we'll start with 2021. Why not? Well, I, I want to make a broader yeah. point. The sure. Cubs drafts are arrow up, and yeah. the A's drafts have been fucking <laughs> terrible. Right. So. Uh, so 2021, they took Jordan Wicks. They're drafting 21st overall. Uh, they took because they didn't make the playoffs in 2020. They took Jordan Wicks, who made the majors this year and pitched okay for them down the stretch. Like I'm not huge on Jordan Wicks. It's not really. It's very college lefty kind of stuff. You know, like David Petersony, but I mean different. Arsenal, yes, is a very good changeup. But instead yeah. of David Peterson, who the Mets just think has a very good changeup. But he yeah. should be like a fourth starter-ish, you know, in, in fairly short order. Yeah, uh, he, um, I believe he is still eligible for our list. 
He is, yes. I wrote it. Which I've written probably it. Probably gonna make the one oh one. Yeah, not he's not super exciting, but again. Uh James Triantos, they took in the second round as a prep shortstop out of Virginia. Uh been has a little bit made a one oh one. Has already made a one oh one. Been a little bit up and down, but was up this year is if you care about such things, hitting 433, 513, 761 in the Arizona Fall League right now. Every fucking day. Yeah. Uh, um, is also, he's going to make the one on He is. The data, again, Tennessee and South Bend aren't great places. To, I mean, play most of the year in South Bend. He's, he's, hitting, he's hitting the ball harder. He's got incredible contact skills and pretty yes. good plate decisions. Uh, they went, I don't know if that's over slot. They went about slot for uh, Drew Gray. As a, it was a, he's a two-way player, I think, for IMG, but they've developed him as a pitcher. Uh, and like, I've, he's on the Cubs list. He's got some interesting stuff going for him. He can't throw strikes at all. Uh, 2022. A, so they picked Kate Horton, which was considered a huge overdraft. Yes, they the were 100% right. Kate Horton's yes. one of the five best pitching prospects of baseball. So the Kate Horton story is he, like, started throwing a slider, like, the last week of, like, conference play <laughs> in the Big 12. And it was, like, an immediately a seven slider. <laughs> and they drafted him. And, look, I – again, there's some reliever risk here, but it's it's good stuff. And he's been very good this year. You know, he got all, yeah. the, way to, he got all the way to double A. Posted a two six five ERA and struck out 117 batters in 88 innings. Yeah. And it's still a seven slider. Yeah. Uh, they went over slot in round two for Jackson Ferris, who they love. I like less, but he's a very good pitching prospect. Uh, another IMG guy. Yeah. He's difficult to evaluate. He made 18 appearances this year and threw 56 innings because it's what you do with prep pitchers the year after they're drafted. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, certainly some, some potential there. They got, they got Hayden McGeary way down the board yes. there. Who's a nice catching prospect now. Yep. Uh, they got, uh, Nazir Mule's been hurt the entire time, which, you know, stuff happens. No. Uh, and then this past year they took Matt Shaw, who's <laughs> probably who's the probably biggest the outside of, out, yeah. it's either him largest. or Walker. I mean, Walker Jenkins. Yeah. It's either him or Walker Jenkins, really. I mean, it's actually White Langford. Technically, but, but yeah, I know what you mean. But Right. But Shaw is the biggest. Shaw is going to be the player that is going to be highest on the 101 relative to if we had done a, one, a full 101 the day after the draft. Because if yeah. we'd done a full 101 the day after the draft, I think he probably would have been like the 70s or 80s. And now he's probably going to be like the 20s. Right. 38 games after the draft. Mostly at high end double A, three fifty seven, four hundred six eighteen, and yeah. as you did a lot of you know draft research on him, you know he's a guy that was very very good. Obviously his uh, yeah junior year at, at Maryland, but had some swing decision questions before that, and yeah, uh, he's, he's had a history hitting with wood bats. Um, yeah. Also heard some big stuff out of the complex about Zaire Hope, their way over slot 11th round prep outfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a guy, you know, potentially, obviously it's very hard to evaluate yeah. um, drafts this close to the draft. 
Um, but even I like did... you look at the, they took Jackson Wiggins uh, right. out of Arkansas, who's yeah. interesting, uh, if yeah. nothing else. Yeah. I mean, they said, and again, for some money saving, they took Josh Rivera, who, look, I don't, he's going to play in the majors. I'm not yeah. super high on him, but he's a pretty yeah. good defensive shortstop. He's a senior sign, a priority senior sign out of Florida. Technically not yeah. a senior sign because it's, you know, uh, COVID junior, but. He's an older draftee, but like, look, he does a lot of things well. He's a nice little player. You know, this is like the kind, this is the kind of college performer the Mets don't actually take. Yeah, the Mets take. God, we had a discussion recently where we just like ran these down. Yeah. You know, they Colby Robinson, Michael, Michael Paez, yeah, Michael yeah, Paez, yeah. Uh, DeAndre Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, over and over every year. Matt Obersti. Quinn Brody. Quinn Brody. Blake Tiberi. Yeah. Yeah, Blake Tiberi. Who's the other Stanford guy they took? Fuck, I can't even. Quinn Brody and Matt Winokur was the other Matt Winokur was the other one. Yeah. Um, Fucking burning high day two draft picks on Mm. guys that have. They burn their high day two draft pick on twos and threes. Right. And guys that have no chance to be more than that. And look, the the Cubs spent their fifth round pick this year on a catcher at a day. I'm just using one example. Uh, a young for his class catcher out of Davidson who had more walks and strikeouts in a 1,200 OP, uh, OPS. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's a little more interesting because that's the other thing is who like Michael Piaz talk about like college performers. Let's let's see what Michael Piaz did in college. <laughs> Michael Piaz, college performer, 2016, uh, hit 276, 368, 514. Yeah, these guys Coastal were never Carolina. right, but they yeah. played. He played at a coastal, a significant school. It is. It's not a, the greatest conference in the world. He did not. Right. He was okay on the Cape. The the year right. Before. But this is. But that's the background they wanted. Yeah, yeah. They wanted. They wanted three year college starters who hit yeah. for a nice average and had some ribbies and yeah. some. You know. It wasn't didn't... great his freshman year. It was pretty good his sophomore year. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, that's uh... history of success with wood bats. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be actual success. Just right, has to yeah. be like you know hit two fifty or above with wood bats. Right, this is what the one the Mets drafted for year after fucking uh, year. Yeah, it's not what the Cardinals drafted for. It's not what the A's drafted for. It's not what the Cubs are drafting for now. Right, you know, which isn't to say that all of those draft picks work out. But no, of course not. But... Like you got to be willing to look stupid here. And, yes, you know they, they, you know, Nick Myers and other Nick Myers, the catcher version of this. Like yes. you can just. Look down, up and down these drafts, mm-hmm. the entirety of the 2010s. And uh, somebody I know once year. said, uh, "It's not a draft until the Mets overdraft a catcher." So, yeah, you still talk to that guy? Mm. Mm. He says somebody I once knew. I say yeah. somebody I know. I guess somebody I know also implies somebody I once knew. Yeah, yeah time is like, a flat circle. Yeah, just I've like had most fucking of this stout now. Just fucking year after year after year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that quote was about Kevin Ploiecki, who, like, look, was actually worked out pretty well uh, as far as those things go. Yeah, I mean, remember Eudor Garcia? I do remember Eudor Garcia. Uh, uh, Tyler Moore? Yes. Sixth round pick Tyler Moore out of LSU. He was the third catcher at LSU that year, too. Yeah. 
Let it, let's, let's see what Tyler Moore hit that year at LSU. 301, 381, 484. That's mostly a DH. And, and, the, and the year before, he was in the Northwoods League, and he had mm. more walks and strikeouts in the Northwoods League. Controls the strike zone. That was a big Sandy Alderson thing. Yeah, never, never mind he didn't hit for any power. Mm. Um, you know, these are players that didn't... Jared King, who I liked a little bit, actually, out after the draft, but... Yeah, he at least had, like, some tools. I mean, yeah. L.J. Mazzilli is actually the classic <laughs> example of this, right? L.J. Mazzilli is a tapestry of classic Mets uh, right. drafts. Like, like, if you want to... He never gets lumped in with these guys because right. he's famous. He's a senior but, sign, know. yeah. Yeah. No, he wasn't. He was a senior sign, I'm pretty sure. Or it was very, like, very he was old for his draft. He was overage, okay. Famous last name. Yeah. 354, 408, 515, more walks and strikeouts. I saw his pops at a lot of he Brooklyn played, and Binghamton games. Yeah. three summers on the Cape, Jeffrey. Yeah. Three summers! I mean, Carlos Cortez is this guy, too, in a different way. Yeah, I mean, Carlos, Carlos Cortez I actually thought was good, which was a whole different problem. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Because he yeah. didn't, if you look at Carlos Cortez's actual numbers as a DES at South Carolina, they weren't, like... You just don't want to psych draft guys that hit two fifty in college, generally speaking. Yeah, I unless there's some weird like outlier traits. Yeah, um, there's exceptions to all yeah. of this. Is Cortez still in the system? Is he? I think technically, minor, I don't think they. Can be a minor league free agent this offseason. What year did they draft him? I don't think he is. Eighteen? No, it's seven years. Okay. So no, yeah. we're gonna, I'm sure they'll. Uh, he was an awful in AAA this year. Am I going to get a fucking phone call to try and get him on the Mets top 20? Because it's not... If you're listening to this podcast... He's 26. That's never stopped him before. Yeah, fair enough. You've, got, you've gotten those calls about 26-year-olds in the Mets system. Uh, might have been literally David... No, I, don't think, I don't think David Thompson was even that old, but... Dude, we can just talk about this freely now. They were trying to stuff him on prospect list for like fucking three straight years, man. Or, and, I, think and I think it was his age. I, I don't need to tell you that. We're, we're, we're talking, yeah, I mean, the Mets, I don't know whether the Mets thought David Thompson was good or whether they were trying to pull a fast one like they pulled with Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, But I, three can, like, and this is, I think, the first three years I was doing this. Like, every fucking year it's like yeah we got him in 2015 the seventh best prospect in our system and we think he's got a chance for plus plus power and it's like dude i can fucking see (sighs) oh it's yeah it's like david thompson well to to david thompson's credit i suppose the 20 uh 28 year old in indie ball in 2022 uh in the independent league independence league kansas city what is is that league american association what that is they they literally didn't he wasn't good until the season after the season he was hurt the entire season yeah that was the point with the year he was crappy and bingo they were still pushing he was good yeah yeah 346 432 636 in the american association in 2022 david thompson in the period of time i've been doing this which is like eight years now which is fucking crazy um is the prospect for whom I heard the most organizational hype and just like thought I was being lied to. <laughs> like it felt like malicious. Yeah. They're gaslighting like, you. <laughs> right. And the second one is Kevin Smith, who we just talked mm. about. 
um, just like years of like the Mets talking up Kevin's and Kevin Smith is like late enough that we're like getting like pitch metrics and yeah. they're like telling us like about like his look he had his, good extension and and raw spin right and again I don't know with I both of those guys. I don't actually know that they were gaslighting. I think right, they were right, just yeah. that bad at self-evaluation, which is who was the far worse problem. Who's the guy they signed? Was it was it Robert Dominguez? The guy they signed out? Oh of, uh... yeah, that guy really threw really hard. He did, yeah. Right, like that that's one... always one of those guys. Where I don't think he actually threw that hard once he was in a pro system. Like I'm sure they no, had. No, but a... there were there were radar guns. There like, were yeah, I'm actually, sure he got back. Right, out, like but... people in backfields actually like saw him hitting like 99. Like, yeah, yeah, wasn't... sure. It's like, like so did Scar- so like, did Scarlin Reyes. Like yeah, yeah, doing that with now, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, but just like yeah, those are like you can pull this shit when it's a guy like in the DSL, right? It's... You Even actually a little trickier anymore, now. As I've, yeah. yeah, you used to be able to. Right. But like when it's a guy that went to fucking Miami and <laughs> blew a fourth round pick on and he's playing the entire season in bingo and I've seen him for like 10 games and you've seen him for like 10 he games. He did uh, 263, 325, 429 that year as a 23-year-old. Right. And then and then like when we're doing our calls after the season, like anybody that's messaging, oh, man. You gotta get David Thompson real high up there on that. Like, it's what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, he also <laughs> went to the Arizona Fall League that year and hit three twenty eight, three seventy one, five sixty nine. Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know how this like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've met <sighs> people who've put a lot of stock in the Arizona Fall League pro- and listened to Met scouts yeah, of that James era. Triantos, probably, yeah. Probably had him high on their list. Let me see. I can Google one of these. I saw Aaron Sabato is second in the Arizona Fall League home run total right now. What year was he? It was 2017 that he was No, in? Aaron Sabato? No, no. In, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. 20, yeah, 2017. Uh, Aaron Sabato was drafted in 2020. Uh, he hit 221, 329, 430 this year as a 24-year-old. So uh, he's second... He was he was on exactly the person's list I expected him to be on. Uh, we'll leave that there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Aaron Sabato in the Arizona Fall League is second in home runs in the Arizona Fall League this year. He is hitting 200, 304, 500 with 25 strikeouts and 69 plate appearances. Yeah. Look, the Arizona Fall Look, I... It's bad. I like, was, look, it's, this is, a, this is like a really Arizona bad Fall Arizona Fall League class, generally speaking, too. You... You want your players to look better there than not because mm-hmm. it is performance and does on some slight level matter. I got a good JT Schwartz report in the yeah, last week sure. out there. He's in yeah, 289, sure. 345, 519, which still I, is not great. But Right. I, I also, like, we know what JT Schwartz is. I've sure. seen JT Schwartz. He might be exactly the 19th best prospect yes. in the Mets system. I'll deal with that in a month. Right. Um. Uh, I should note that Aaron Sabato is second in Arizona Fall League home runs to Kalai Rosario, uh, who is hitting 185, 284, 477. Because it's really easy, and you can go out there on a junket, yeah. and some of these junkets are run by people we like. Yeah, I like, look, the, uh, like what, the... FP Arizona is a like very next nice... Week. Yeah. Is a very nice. I've never been there, but I trust those guys. One of these years, I'll you know. do it because it's an easy enough trip. But. Right, but Brent is Brent's one of the smartest and nice guy, nicest guys in the entire industry. 
Chris Blessing is considerably smarter and nicer than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I hope Brent's not mad at me for that. He won't be. <laughs> you know, we've we've had you know we've been saying yeah, this for a number I'm, of years. We got Chris drinks is, with Chris in Kingsport a decade right. ago at this point. Yeah, that guy puts in the work. Yep. He uh, knows what he's talking about. He has great sourcing. He understands data. And the stuff's behind the fantasy paywall, so nobody knows. Right. Um, outside of the people that pay for the fantasy paywall stuff. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's a real nice thing. And I'm sure if you go out there, you're going to learn some stuff about prospects from those guys, too. I am also sure if you ask them, they'll probably have roughly the same opinion of the Arizona Fall League as us. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, you know, it's interesting. It's a nice place to get looks on prospects and the offensive run environment is always completely bonkers because the pitching sucks. It's in Arizona. Yeah. So what I thought, you know, if you can tell me something that happens in the AFL to demonstrably change a player's profile, like say last year, this, this happened with Mason um, Miller, Mason Miller. That was exactly, I was pulling up Mason Miller's baseball reference page. He only pitched, 16 and two-thirds innings in the AFL, but he was throwing harder than he'd ever thrown before, and it it deferred the questions about whether he was going to come back from his injuries with the same stuff because he had missed most of that season. Um, and he missed fact, a lot of this season really as well. pitched that much. Yeah. But this is, you know, all of a sudden he comes in the AFL and he's throwing this incredible stuff, and he did the same thing in the majors this year. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's something that happened. Jacob Berry hitting better in the AS- AFL than he hit in the minors this year. Just, like, God, I don't fucking care. Like, it, you have to tell me why. Jacob Berry is hitting, care. by the way, Jacob Berry is hitting 281, 349, 456. That is, in fact, considerably it is. Yes, better I know. than he hit in the minors this season. I'm Jeff. aware, yes. Um, 19 yeah, strikeouts like, and 63 plate appearances. Yeah, look, I mean... He did hit a ball over 105 miles an hour last I checked. So congratulations. Um, you know, sometimes guys go out there and look gassed, right? Yeah, like yeah. Zach Desenzo looks kind of gassed out there. Zach Desenzo, he played the whole season. Too. Right, Zach Desenzo's played a lot of baseball. It's Some of these guys don't really want to go out there, but the team's like they get paid decently, and so he's like, yeah, fine. I'll go. Right, we're talking about three week sample sizes here, too. Like it's it's just it's. We do this at the two places in the baseball world that if a prospect <laughs> do, lights do up, your, do your bit again. You never yeah. fucking hear the end of it. Or the Arizona Fall League, the week all the baseball writers are out there yeah. and futures game yeah. batting practice. Yes. There you go. Larry Tavares, baby. Yeah, we're back. We're back. <laughs> we're so Barack. It's over. Yeah. Um, Man might have a World Series ring in a week, Jerry. Hey, he's a, he's a nice he's player. A perfectly nice player. Um, the new uh, scouting manager of the Baltimore Orioles, who <laughs> used to work for us, congratulations, yeah. Kevin, um, pretty much had pegged exactly what he was going to become, which was a slightly below average hitter with a great yeah. defense. Which was like... Perfectly pinned between me, who was the high person on him, and Ben, who was the low person on him. Right. You know, he's, he's going to have a little pop. He was going to yeah. have contact problems. He was going to run down everything. And yeah. that's basically the player he's become. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, Jacob, 
you thought he was going to hit 30 home runs and Ben mm. thought he was going <laughs> to have trouble carrying enough offense to stay in the majors. Yeah. And for a couple of years, it looked like Bubba was going to win that one. They so. kind of, yeah, they, they probably called him up a little early too, because it's right. the Rangers. I, so, and I was just here pulling my hair out going, can we stop talking about future skate batting practice? Uh, if you, if you're wondering, uh, again, it's like 60 plate appearances, but Jacob Berry, uh, 95 average exit 109 max right now so yeah. cool yeah tell me what those numbers were in high a and double a this year jeff i could go and pull it but if i have i already know it, they were bad yeah i have his low a last year which is significantly uh lower but generally in line with his call yeah i already did that. look i think he's um, probably improved since then right is that fair to say Yes, he's no longer the worst hitter in A-ball. Yeah, he's improved. Uh, Great. He's not well, going to make the majors at this rate, but yeah, he's improving. He might cool. make the Marlins a list. sixth overall draft pick. And cool. on that note, uh, we'll take a break. And since you probably won't hear from us before our first uh, prospect list comes out, I've decided unilaterally we'll do a little prospect list, list intro for the second half of the show. Jarrett, our first prospect list goes up a week from tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, this is my 19, 20, 1, 2, 3, 4, 9th prospect list cycle at Baseball for Texas. I think your 7th, yeah. I think, by that math. Uh, have we learned anything? What's different this year for you, if anything? Um. I'm forcing you to pull Trackman on anyone <laughs> you need to pull Trackman on. Sure. Uh, and I'm learning some things about Trackman and, and what I value and what I don't value, I suppose. Yeah. I'm, in fact, writing an essay about that in the annual. So. You are. And that's, like, the thing, right? It's We've joked uh, before, I think on this show, the best prospect writer in baseball is actually Rob Orr. Yeah, that yeah, the two names I bring up for this are Rob Orr and RJ Anderson. Right. Yeah. And again, a lot of it's it's so easy to get this data now, and I've I've made this point before. Eighty five percent of the time when I pulled the data it It's was, actually not, it's incredibly hard, but okay. Right. It's it's it, we can do it. We but can do it's it. actually really hard. You need to do a lot of source development to get this data at this okay, point. Okay, fine. Anyway, 85% of the time I pull the data, it more or less matches up with what I've seen on video or live, right? Because that's it, really that's what you would expect, right? Because they're all, in some ways, once you make the cutoff for prospectum or prospect list consideration, that's like one line, right? Yeah. And then I will use that's a good example of this, of like a prospect I saw. And then it's like, I could actually go into my various sourcing forums and figure this out, but I'm trying to pull one off the off the top of my head where it's like, oh, that's basically more or less what I think. Uh, oh, the Yankeel Fernandez, the Rockies sure. outfielder is a good one. Like it, again, if you watch him for a series, you'll know what, you'll know what's up. Huge left-handed pull side power approaches, not great, but not the worst you'll see. And there's just a little bit too much swing and miss in the zone because of the length and strain swing, right? Yeah. You know, it's exactly what you would expect. And then there's guys uh, where it's, I just pulled someone today. I won't name 
that person where it's just like, oh, that's a little, little better than I expected. Um, I'll do a different one. Uh, Angel Hanau in the Cleveland system. Yeah. Uh, switch hitting middle infielder because he is a Cleveland Guardians prospect. So he's required to be a switch hitting middle infielder. Mm-hmm. And like I watched a, a fair bit of him. And a lot of it broadly was what I expected. He has more power from the right side, which is a little bit less bat speed, a little more leveraged, bigger leg kick. Like you'll see that. That's like the classic cliche, right? The right handed swing has more power, the left handed swing has better contacts, more reps. Sure. Uh, the left handed swing is a little bit like wild and out of control. Like it's whippy. I like it a little more, but he kind of chases and hits the ball into the ground. Then I actually pulled the data, and the chase was not nearly as bad as I thought from the left side. Because again, sometimes you see, you know, how many, like you notice the swings. This is like a, not a confirmation bias, but you're more likely to remember the really bad swings, right? Versus all the balls they just take. Like, of course they took it, right? So especially if they take like a one, two change up way out of the zone, right? And like yeah. I put a bad swing on it, that sticks in your mind more. Sure. It does not stick. You know, it's just a, it's just a chase in TrackMan. So. So that so I am actually integrating the data a lot more this year, much to Jarrett's glee, if I'm all honest. But so. That's not glee. Satisfaction. My new concern is how you're integrating mm. the data. I've act, I've actually become concerned in several examples that you've become too strident about the data, which is no zealot like the convert, as they say. Right. Um, but yeah, this stuff all. So we were doing qualitative analysis of quantitative data. Yes. Um, which is because, always right, you, a little you're dangerous. Pu- right. You're pulling TrackMan from high A or whatever. Mm. You know what does that look like in the majors? Like, look, we know. You know, we've talked about Ronnie Mauricio a fair bit on this podcast and how his contact rate and yeah. chase rates have changed from triple A to the major specifically. And, you know, there is, there's some baked in, right. But I made like the Arizona's our first list is going up or doing alphabetical order. Yeah. When I was doing the 25 and under, you know, looking back, I'm not going to say we missed on Corbin Carroll, but Corbin Carroll probably should have been a few spots higher because he retained a lot more of his contact ability in the majors than we thought he was going to. Yeah, and we also got some weird pissing matches over Corbin Carroll too. A few, they yeah. Affected our evaluation. Uh, totally that's honest. more you than me, to be fair. No, no. It's really, more you but... than me, but um, I'm not saying I'm not involved. But it's more you was... than me. So the thing is that the top. Six seven last off season was an incredibly close call in sure. any direction. Sure, we'll say that again this year when we do it too. Yeah, <laughs> be it's five be three but yeah. this time, but three four five. Sure. Um, but you know, I I have had arguments made for me for four different guys as the best prospect in baseball this mm-hmm. year. Um, Kevin Arrow, Carter. Holiday and Langford. I did them in alphabetical order yes. there. My suspicion is that the vast majority of baseball prospect writers are going to put Holiday at one and not really think about it a whole lot. It's, um, not thinking have, about it a whole lot has never been our problem. <laughs> we have had... For good and for ill. 
We've had people within the industry give us the feedback that we should put holiday at number one and not think about it too much. Yeah. And we've had people within the industry um, say that they don't really think holiday is an impact player and think that two or three guys are ahead of them. Four guys are ahead of them. That holiday is a much more divisive prospect than I expected him to be. um, Because the opinions of his power are all over the place. And the reason they're all over the place is because he has a nice high average exit velocity and has a below average 90th percentile exit velocity. So it's like, what do you believe? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he is 19. Right. Um, Baseball America put out some research this week, which broadly tracks with stuff that I've heard with teams that have access to this data set and also just makes sense. Um, the, you know, average and 90th percentile exit velocities do tend to go up a few ticks over the course of the players, um, like 17 to 22 age cycle, uh, specifically about three or four ticks. I'm sure that's true. That's also probably going to be some survivorship bias. Well, it's, it, so some of it's survivorship bias and some of it's the average player. There are players yeah, who are physically maxed out when they're 19 and there's players Right. They're completely not maxed out. This is the old, like, you take every career progression and it just looks like the parabola you see that peaks at age 28 or whatever. Right. Yeah. This is the Madden version of player <laughs> yes. development. Yes. Although, even Madden now, if you play the new Maddens, <laughs> your development trait can go up and you can start improving exponentially fast. All right. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I believe you. I've not bought a yeah, Madden game in, well, since so the what teens, they, what I they, think. So what the Madden doesn't even, I, I used to call this the Madden style of player development, mm. because if you go back to like Madden 2002 <laughs> in franchise mode, like the young players all progressed and regressed at a relatively uniform type of development. Now they have something called development traits. Mm-hmm. Um, so a superstar X factor player goes up <laughs> much faster than a normal player. Sure. Um, and like, you know, um, and those traits can improve and regress over the course of the career, too, uh, based on accomplishment or other stuff. Sometimes uh, players just go up randomly yeah, um, sure. or go down randomly, which, again, there, there's aspects of that in baseball development. So the the common making fun of that I used to make fun that, you know, Madden everything went up and went down uniform, it actually much better reflects the current pace of baseball development Mm -hmm. um the past pace but yeah so telling me that on average you'd expect jackson holiday's exit velocity jackson holiday's already an outlier right already to improve two or three more miles an hour i don't know if i buy that right um but that also informs you know Exit velocity. Look, if a kid's 18 in full season ball and his average exit velocity is 85, 86, it's not a red flag. If mm. he's 22 in full season ball and his average exit right. velocity is 85, 86, it's a red flag. See Jacob Berry. Right. Um, so, you know, you kind of have to look at this. We have neither the available data nor the analytic resources to do quantitative analysis of this we just don't have it getting the full data sets is a lot harder than getting the individual stuff and if 
you're getting the full data sets, then you have to deal with 26 other problems. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we, we look for combinations of traits. We look at, we're, we're still trying to, you know, and, and you watch a video to try and make it make sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is like going back to the mid-season list. Yeah, you were on me about Roman Anthony in May or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I pushed up my Roman Anthony video. Mm-hmm. I did my Roman Anthony video. I'm like, okay, how high do you want him? Yeah, so put a, give me a number. I don't care. And again, we weren't. Everybody's going to catch us on Roman Anthony. Yeah. It's going to be eight to twenty on everybody else's list, yeah. unless there's a weird outlier. Which there might be. Yeah, there there's always weird outliers. We weren't the first people to note publicly that Roman Anthony had this kind of bed of ball data. Kylie McDaniel published it while we were still talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no, again, there's no, you can't be first. You really just can't. Right. There, there's no firsts anymore. We were first on Evan Carter. Great for us. Um, I, I then notably for the last year before the last month was going like, did the industry go too far on Evan Carter? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I still kind of wonder that a slight bit. He's going to be really high on the one-on-one. He was really high on the midseason list. He may just be a weird outlierish hit tool type guy based on his incredibly good swing decisions. But I'm still going to point out that he doesn't actually hit the ball that hard. He's not a very good defensive outfielder either, as you've uh, yeah. He's seen. he's had his moments and left. Yeah, I mean he'll be, it's he'll a be newer fine there, but it's form. A... I think he's going to end up being pretty good out there. Eventually. Yeah, maybe. Um, but you know, it's it's a nice contact rate. It's not like a super elite contact rate. He may have the best. In one framing of swing decisions, mm. where swing decisions is does not chase at unhittable pitches, he arguably has the best swing decisions in baseball. He also lets an awful lot of hittable strikes go by. Right, but he also does like the, the he doesn't do a lot of damage. But I do wonder if he knows exactly which pitches he can pull down the line in the right. air. So this is so this might be just a weird outlierish. Yeah. Skill set where he ends up producing. Right, he hits the ball. Time. He hits the ball harder than Isak Paredes does. Right, he lift it as much as Isak no. Paredes does, and he has to pull it as much as Isak Paredes does. But that again, I, I don't think he's gonna be. Yeah, that Isak Paredes hard. also hit thirty three home runs this year, or something like that. Right, so. now Carter's twenty one. Yeah. And, is you know there's a chance for him to develop greater damage capability mm-hmm. at some point too. We just had this discussion. Yes, like it's not written in stone that he's gonna like pop out. At, like, again, an if you look, if you go field. back to our early reports, like we thought there was more power projection there. If you look at him, right, like it, it's a narrow frame, and he really hasn't actually added a ton of weight since he was drafted. Although he's bigger now, right? You know, but you're looking at a guy. You know, 87, 88, 106, 107, not super great batted look, ball spray. Look, if he has, like, average power, though, would you imagine he's going to get he's on base gonna be and really high. speed? Yeah. And look, he's one of the four people that's been mentioned to me yeah. as having an argument for the best prospect in baseball. And I get it. I've watched the fucking playoffs. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> it, it hey. He's, he's this, batting this was, third was, on a team was, in the World Series. If this was 2018, we put him at one. Yeah. yeah. 
Absolutely. We would. Because it's a great looking swing and he's torching the playoffs and this we were the, on him. For, yeah. We would put him on. This is the Corey Seager argument in if, a lot of ways. It, yeah. And look, that worked out pretty well, in all honesty, right. uh, injury aside, even with the injury. Uh, a, a podcast listener who has worked around baseball previously pointed out to me the other week that if this was five years ago, we would have Lewis and Hill Acuna in the top 25. And he's yeah. not going to be anywhere fucking near the top 25. Now we know more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if, if this was, you know, and look, we have overweighted playoff numbers in the past frequently that's something we do too often or even september in playoffs yeah right so i you know and if we continued to do that we would put evan carter number one we're not gonna put evan carter number one we're probably gonna put him like four or five or six which is still pretty high he's gonna jump a few guys yeah jump roman Um, anthony for one he's gonna jump roman anthony which i think is fine yeah yeah. um it's gonna look weird he's gonna jump ethan salas he should jump ethan salas yep um he's probably he may jump dylan cruz i don't know about that one that's a tough one sure um he may jump jackson churio i don't know about that one that's a tough one yeah um yeah that's it and if you're if you're thinking that's the, that's the range he's going to be in with four or five, and those are the other guys that he's are going to be in that four or five. He's range. eleven at midseason, right? All right. All right. Ten or that, eleven, that, yeah. You know, that's that's who's he's got. Joe Paul Skeen. Yeah, I'm very fine with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like Paul Skeen. Yeah, I do too. Maybe not I as much as the, I should, but I do. He's the best pitching prospect in baseball. He is. We were I, having this conversation I, recently. Like it's yeah. tough to find a, it's very tough to find a pitching prospect this year that was both. Uh, three things you can have two out of it's a, the what the Twitter mean you can have two out of three things you can have healthy right now, mm-hmm. through a lot of innings this year, good. <laughs> yeah, you got yeah. Skeens, you got Kid Horton. Mm-hmm. You can argue Kyle Harrison. Sure, that's you know it's trickier. Good is becomes yeah relative here. Got Drew Thorpe. Yeah. Um, we're we're starting to run out of guys here, right? Like, already, you got guys right? that really have two of them, like Jackson Job. Right. Yeah. And and you start looking at the other top pitching prospects in baseball. Tiedemann was hurt a lot of the year. Mm-hmm. Painter missed the entire year. I won't miss all next year. Mizirowski was hurt, hurt a lot. Yeah. Um, look, now we're already down to like. Robbie Snelling. Robbie Snelling and Carson Phillips and just like guys. Tink Kent's, yeah. Right. Yeah, Tink Kent's didn't pitch a he ton. didn't pitch a lot. That's why I pay him. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I was, other people that fit within. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like the, yeah, Chase Hampton, mm-hmm. I guess, fits within this. Chase Hampton, criteria. top piece going to uh, San Diego for Juan Soto. Um, Waldrop, if you include draftees. Yeah. Louder, if you include draftees, Noble Meyer actually pitched a punch after the draft. If you yeah, include he draftees, a fair bit, yeah. But now we're including draftees, right? Right, and that gets more complicated. Yeah. Um, I guess AJ Smith Shaver. Yeah, good again becomes with Kyle Harrison right. kind of yeah. relative. McAble is another one where good. Good is, is yeah a bit, little bit more of a stretch there, I think. <laughs> right, like so we're you know it's it's not a lot. Right, so let me it's pull up the... our I, without yeah. I will obscure this 
somewhat. Let me pull up our current draft of the 101. So yeah, sure it's, we're it's not needs some work. It, it needs a lot of work. It's not even November yet, so we have time. Yeah. So let's, uh, I didn't let's, forget anybody there. You might not have. I just want to see who the other, like... Human Lynn? Human Lynn fits this criteria. He does. It's just, yeah. How do you feel about someone that throws mostly 90 miles an hour? Yeah, but he fits the criteria. Yeah. He pitched yeah. a lot. He wasn't great in double pitched A. Pitched a lot. But... He was mostly good. Yeah. It's a bad run environment, as we've noted conversely for every Arizona hitting prospect. That... Yeah, right. Guys right. that fit the good and currently healthy but didn't throw a lot of innings. Uh, Dylan Lesko, Noah Schultz, Mason Miller. Um, Tinkens again. Tinkens again. Uh, Tacoa Roby. Yeah, Tacoa Roby. Um, Nick Crasso, I guess. I guess. Carson Wisenhunt's a weird... Yeah, I don't know if he's healthy. His, yeah, I mean, he is, but... Yeah. If, we, if we're counting Bryce Eldridge as a pitcher... Sure. <laughs> Are we? I mean, my assumption is he ends up as a bad, but I don't know that yeah. 100%. He's pretty good. Uh, Marco um, Raya does not fit the innings criteria here. Yeah, Kate Polovich actually fits the whole group. He but wasn't again, good. Right, good is yeah. a matter of... Chase McDermott? Yeah, we're now, we're, sure. We're getting, again, we're getting like, out of Bubba Chandler. Like, Bubba we're getting, Chandler, yeah. They're, they're, again, we're getting they're, out of... They're not guys where you think, like, yeah, he was really good this year, right? You know, yeah, like, they're we're, fine, we're getting, but you don't think, yeah, they're really good yeah, this year. We're, we're getting out of. Yeah. We're ranking the, fewer pitchers this year, which is probably right. Yeah. It's I also mean, just a down pitching class. And all yeah, stuff. we're going to have our staff try and get a bunch of guys on the back of the list. It's fine. We'll deal with that in a month from now. It's fine. This is a prospect list introduction. Uh, there's sure. much still to come. Like the third half of the show, because you did ask us a fair few questions. So we'll take a break, come back, and cover those. Welcome back. Now it's time for the third half of the show. Before we do the third half of the show, we do housekeeping. This is for all you kids out there, episode 439. Oh, man, that's a lot of episodes. <laughs> Uh, for all you kids out there, is the Mets adjacent Baseball Prospectus podcast. You can find us on the internet at baseballprospectus.com, all 30 of our prospect lists starting next week. If you want to get in contact with the show, we're on Twitter at For All You Kids, it's on Twitter at J.A. Scyther. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro. We have a Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash For All You Kids out there. And you can email the show at allyoukids at baseballprospectus.com. Uh, we're also on, you know, iTunes and other non-iOS apps. I just kind of skipped that part because I was on a roll. And I've had a 12% stout. Uh, we will start with the emails. And we have we have a, a varied and not large. We just have a varied group of correspondence this week, I'll say. We'll start with an email from Matthew. I'm now just sort of scrolling through my phone. Hi, Jarrett and Jeffrey. You've mentioned the log jam at second base and a need for a consolidation trade. Instead of making a trade, I thought they might do a platoon at second base where Mauricio only plays against righties. He often looks lost against lefties, i.e. against right-handed pitching. McNeil in left field, Mauricio at second base, left-handed pitching. 
some corner guy to left field and McNeil at second base. Regarding the corner guy, I love Jorge, I love Jorge Soler against lefties, but he's kind of dreadful in the outfield. Do you think this is a crazy idea? P.S. I still think they should trade Acuna, but I was really just thinking in terms of the opening day roster. Drew Gilbert could also end up being that corner guy. I don't know. I don't. I don't think you'd want Drew Gilbert in a short side platoon at all. Right, and so. So like the the problem with this is that so the idea like like if you're considering making a con, uh, doing a platoon over a consolidation trade, you should probably find out to the team that thinks one of the right. platoon guys is more than right. a platoon like guy to them. If you're saying to Roddy Mauricio that we're never going to let you take competitive bats or hand it anymore, you should actually just have him give up switch hitting. Mm-hmm. Which is also an option to the Cedric Mullins. Yeah, and like there's um, no look, Acuna spent the year in double A. He's still probably a full season away, right? So you have time for yeah, if you I mean if you get an offer, if somebody you know, if the Padres want one of these players for Juan Soto, you just put them yeah. on the plane. The Mets the Mets need to make some aggressive trades and um Billy Epler was clearly frightened of doing that. And... You can't lower your future World Series percentage here. Well, that happened on its yeah. own, apparently. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, you kind of have to decide what Mauricio is and tell yeah, pretty the... quickly. I mean, look, he's been in the system for seven years at this point, or whatever right. it is. Like, you should have an idea. Yeah. There seem to be some competing ideas based on stuff that's been linked to the New York Post, but yeah. I mean, for the for the record, we'll do. It's not really this week in Ronnie Mauricio because the season's been over for a fair bit at this point. But like Ronnie Mauricio, he's still he's still list eligible because he only got a hundred and one at bats. Have fun with that one. He hit 248, 296, 347. Which, yeah. if you ask me what Ronnie Mauricio would hit in his first 100 at bats in the majors, it'd be that. Maybe like plus 50 points of slugging. But I'm not also surprised he didn't find the 50 points of slugging because of everything else. Yeah. Uh, here's, here's one for you before we uh, move to Liam's incredibly long email. This was rumored to be uh, on the offer last offseason. I suspect it probably isn't this offseason. But right now, would you trade Brett Beatty for Jesus Lazardo? Yeah. I didn't hate it last year. I don't know if I would have done it, but I didn't hate it last year. It's not a trade the Mets were ever going to make. but Yeah. We have an email from Liam. I mean, I should say that. He shared a Google Doc with me because his email was not working. Dear podcasters, hello, how are you? It has been some time, so I will email in a wildly too long email again. Pause for Jeffrey to go get another drink. Uh, I have a non-alcoholic stalt. Stout stalt. Very good. Great. The podcast will be up tonight. I have a non-alcoholic stout uh, from Athletic Brewing Company. They're all out, which is actually quite good. Uh, I have not finished the pint of 12% stout that I started uh, an hour and change ago. But we're ready to go. So I have a few questions I'm using for you guys to discuss and ponder on. In the words of Japanther, first of all, fuck y'all. 
I was weirdly correct on at least one of Grand Pauli slash Luke Adams. I'm joking. I want to ask you guys about how you try to scout via video for in-zone contact. I've discussed this with Jarrett plenty of times, but would love you guys to try to break down what you might look for to establish how good a certain player might be at in-zone contact before you even look under the hood at the metrics. I take I just, out my I take out my phone mm-hmm. and I text somebody and find yeah, out what the metric. Yeah, yeah, yes, <laughs> like there's this is you know jumping off what we had in the second half of the show. At a certain point, like look, this is the I don't know if I made this point before. So this is the classic scouting cliche, but it just sounds different, right? And my response would be, well, does it sound like 112 miles an hour off the bat or 116 miles an hour off the bat? Because that's kind of a big difference. Right. So that's um, the thing with in zone contact too. Like you can do this in broad swaths, obviously, but the difference between eighty four percent zone contact and double A, which is above average, but no an eighty eight percent in zone contact and double A. Like how many at bats do you need to suss that out? Right. And like there are people that actually like watch all this video and like track it. Um mm-hmm. I don't know if Wank does that for his own contact, but I know it doesn't for other stuff. But it's just like, again, it's as Jared said, it's actually uh, tell him wash. It's incredibly hard. But when if you can get the data, it's a yeah. useful... And like, again, this is not all in-zone contact is created equal either. Like this is the Jared Kelnick, Marcelo Meyer, Colton Kowser problem. Yes. And also, what is the zone, right? What do you consider the shadow zone for the purposes of this discussion? Right. But, you know, you can, like, see a player's, like, yeah. barrel control. Right. There are, like, yeah. Ability to manipulate the bat. You can see how badly they're missing. <laughs> Going back to, like, the Yankeel Fernandez from the second, like, look, he doesn't move it great. It's not. Out and out grooved, right. but it's close enough to grooved for government work. But you're you're gonna have a hard time getting granular enough yes. to like. Um, and there are some guys like if Yankeel Fernandez can run seventy seven percent zone contact in the majors. Yeah, he's gonna do a lot of damage in the process. Yes. Second. I actually wanted to ask about actual Mets prospects. Yes, this is probably the first time I've written a question about Mets prospects in quite some time. Ryland Thomas doesn't have the strength and muscle ball out of the infield. He doesn't. But is he a guy? Seems like a fun little organization guy and wanted to get your thoughts on him. Yeah, I think it's about right. Yeah, he's not going to make your list, I suspect. No. No, but like, would you be shocked if he got the... Memorial Daryl Siciliani, 150 at bats in the majors. Also, no. Which of the arms like Stewart, Vassal, Tidwell, Jarvis, Hamill, Ziegler, Ovales, do you see transitioning to the bullpen in a way that might make their pitches play up in shorter stints? Do you think this help might help with the overall lack of bullpen depth the Mets have? Can you run that group again? Tyler Stewart. Yeah. Mike Bass. I don't know that he's going to end up with a bullpen, but yeah. He feels like the next Jose Budo in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I kind of, I also don't know that he's a guy that gets a ton more out of the bullpen. He's very tall, which helps, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, Mike Vassell? Vassell's a guy I could see jumping in the pen. Yeah. Because uh, there's really nothing, 
there's like stuff that like looks like it should be a standout pitch but isn't, and mm. those guys tend to sometimes take off in the pen. Uh, your main, your main man, Blade Tidwell. Yeah, I mean that's to me that's a guy that's gonna oh. end up. But he's the answer to this, I think. Yeah, uh, Justin Jarvis. I don't he was know very about... bad after the trade, but I'd also yeah. don't like. That's again like that feels like it's like Spam a... an IVB fastball and right uh... that like feels like it's a rotational profile to me. Dominic Hamill. Hamill's a guy I'd like to see out of the bullpen. I know? think so, yeah. Uh, Calvin Ziegler? That's just, I... Yeah, he, that's he, like an get, Give me a healthy season. Yeah, that's just hard And Leonel Ovales. Yeah, I mean, that's more your guy than mine, honestly. Yeah, and I wasn't huge on him this year because the stuff kind of backed up a little bit. But. Yeah. Which, again, is another sign of a guy that sometimes that evens out. Yeah. In a bullpen roll where you can just air it out. Yeah, out of that group, I think the the obvious guys did well, and then like the second tier guys are Hamill and Vassal. Do you think this might help me? Do you have any specific Mets draftee from twenty twenty three that might jump for you guys? <sighs> uh, the Boston Barrow reports have been. Yeah. Yeah. Again. Yeah. I don't know how. I it's... mean, it's all it's yeah. all great until you hit full season ball, right? Right, I that one. I mean, I think Cade Morris is probably the obvious one. Yeah, I don't know if that's too obvious. Yeah, uh, you know, it was the third round pick. Fourth, uh, yeah, third round, yeah. Um, yeah, Barrow. But there were people that like Barrow out of the complex. But again, that's a guy. That's a guy that got third round money. Yeah. Um. They kind of like bulk drafted interesting fastballs, and I'd imagine like one or two of them is going to take off, but I have no yeah, way to discern which one or two. Um, yeah, they like bulk drafted interesting fastballs in like the $125,000 to $500,000 range, yeah. um, which is, to be clear, a very, very, very valid. The better strategy method. than the one we discussed in the first half right. of the show. <laughs> method of action um, a lot of those guys they like offered like slightly more than day three pool for mm-hmm. um which again is much better manipulation of their bonus pool than they've done previously right. um but I, I did you actually see the grand canyon kid i did yeah you weren't that high on him correct because it was like like look i get it's yeah. 88 with good extension like yeah yeah kate morris is throw the strikes guy. the breaking ball is not bad but like you know yeah, I know he didn't throw that much after the draft, but, like, if you, like, started, like, asking around analysts... The reports like, were who's fine. The, like, who's like the... he's probably a reliever, but... Right. Like, like people thought he was, like, one of the unheralded better guys in the draft that was kind right. of... Right, look, this by, is like, a dude that had a five-and-a-half ERA in, for yeah. Nevada this year, which, again, it's a terrible place to pitch, but... Uh, it you know, Nolan McLean's kind of fun. He's I don't fun, know if he's, yeah. I... Again, it's, it's a, it's, we're talking about a high third-round pick there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, contact is going to be a big problem there. He's but not he a hits, hitter. He hits the ball really fucking hard, and he throws the ball Probably really fucking hard. Probably not a hitter. Yeah. Again, this is the... 
He hit 250 his junior year at Oklahoma State and struck out 57 times right, on 153 really plate does, appearances. That's really, awful. Really does hit the ball really fucking he does, hard. Yeah. Like, this is what this is one of those guys where if you can get him up to like yeah. a three barrel the ball, he's actually going to be really good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think Kate Boris is. Like, yeah. Good luck good. to you, Jeff Albert, on that one. Yeah. Uh, I've heard decent things about Kellum Clark, but I am, as always, skeptical. Noah Hall. Uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Again, I, I, I think. I have somebody those, I can ask about Kellum Clark, but I've not done a ton those, of. I think out of those kind of bulk arms, you're probably going to get one or two, but it's very hard for me to figure out which one right now. I also haven't done like that level of dive. Because they're not going to make like, the top 20, so it's kind of like. Well, I will look at all those guys to right. see if somebody has a reason to make the top 20. I just haven't actually done it yet. No. On to more broad stroke prospect questions. I found it very interesting where someone values Victor Scott the second. Uh, we're going to have him on the one-on-one. He's such an interesting dude to me and wanted to ask he might be a guy whose elite running slash defense combo along with his weirdly decent hitting ability might re- result in him making the one-on-one. Yes. You're telling me this for the very first time. <laughs> Is Jack Moss a thing? Likewise with Troy Melton and Zebby. I didn't like Troy Melton uh, and Zebby Matthews. I didn't love Zebby Matthews either. Looking to see if you guys had any thoughts. Well, I didn't right, love so the, Troy so Melton and Zebby Matthews. So, so the thing that's going to separate out Scott from those guys an 80 runner he might end up being an 80 defender in center yeah and like the batted ball is actually pretty good it's It's fine yeah it's not great but it's fine great but yeah like it's like you're looking at this guy and you're kind of looking at the overall skill set and like this is an unusual skill set this is like very easily a skill set that we could just like keep undervaluing and then all of a sudden we're going like god this guy's 31 and here is 30 war or something like that because, you know, he's going to be running, like, incredible defense statistics, and you're looking at incredible value, base ad value on the stolen bases now. Mm-hmm. Like, he could be that kind of guy without ever really being, like, a top-tier hitter. So it's kind of, like, weird to value him on a on a 101, but we're I, I think there's a very good chance he's going to make. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, it's a... It's not even a unique set of skills. It's actually pretty similar to Enrique Bradfield. Right. But and like, look, um, he he crashed pretty hard in his late twenties. But like, you know, Ender Inciarte was like a four to five WAR player for his first like five seasons. Right. You know, that's a you know he had an eighteen win career. Yeah. Uh, an eighteen win career, and he was basically cooked when he was twenty eight. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, this, like, speed. It's such a weird, like, base Kevin running profile. Yeah, but Kiermaier doesn't even really, really fit. I, I, obviously, the new base running rules makes it a little more complicated. So the, and, like, so the downside is if he doesn't get to, like, the 60th percentile hitting, this can go Victor Robles very quickly, right? Or Manny Margot. Right, and Manny Margot's it's fine. Manny so, Margot's right? okay. He's like a five, right? Yeah. All right. It's also not that. Yeah. Um, that great of a runner either. So, um, I mean, he was in the minors. He just hasn't stolen as many bases. Like he was a 30-40 steal guy in the minors. Just hasn't translated to the majors, which is yeah. the thing that happens. 
you know, Jorge Mateo in some respects is like the shortstop version of this. Sure, and played some at times, outfield. At times himself. he's been the outfield version to yeah. Brenton Doyle. Brenton Doyle. I think he'll be a better hitter than Brenton Doyle, having seen a fair yeah. bit of Brenton Doyle, but yeah. I, I'm just I'm trying to, you know, just give you some names. You wanted yeah, some names. Yeah, I don't know. Um you know, on on the upside, this is like vaguely the Trey Turner profile, all right? It might be a little steep, but yeah. Right. It, yeah, it's it, on the upside. Mm-hmm. That's you know, he's got to do a lot more stuff to actually get to Trey Turner's level of better ball damage. Mm-hmm. But you know, you you start looking at guys that are you know that quality of runner and that quality of defender. There's not a ton of them. You're going back. So, you're going back to like the '80s and like Willie McGee. This is a really, really fucking weird profile. Who's also a Cardinals uh, guy, obviously. Here's a really weird right. comp for Victor Scott. Jose Siri. It's a very weird. I, Siri does all. But is it really? I just he's not gonna have that kind of power on contact. Siri hit 25 kind of home runs contact. and 364 chase, plate appearances. He's not gonna so. chase a riff that much. Sure. But if you're looking. But I think the overall quality of the offense could be pretty similar, and I think the speed and the fielding end up being that much of a yeah. that much of a thing. So this is a it's just it's a very strange profile. Um, I mean, if you want another uh, kind of like weird, like I don't think he's this kind of hitter. But is he that far off like Kenny Lofton as an upside guy? The actual answer to all of this is he's Johan Rojas with pitch recognition. <laughs> okay, that might be Kenny Lofton is the thing. Yeah, but that's, yeah, that's, it. that's what's going to get him on the 101. That's what's yeah, going to get yeah. Johan Rojas off the 101. Like, it like Kenny Lofton, who like literally should be in the... But this is, Hall of this, fame. Is a very sim- this is a very similar skill set to Johan Rojas. He just right. Has, like, I don't think... He has, he has like functional a, pitch recognition. Scott, Scott's not going to come up and hit, like, 330 to 350 like Lofton did, I don't think, but... Yeah. You know, like the... Is it, but Victor Scott's a nice player. And yes, Liam, I, I know you were on Victor Scott a year yeah, ago. Sure. It, was a very, it was a very nice poll. I think, you know, it's, it's a... It's a, it's a, it's a you know, I'm, I'm saying this sincerely. Liam, Liam picked up a bunch of guys out of the last couple drafts, and his hit rate on them. And we're talking about day two guys. It's mm-hmm. actually pretty good. It's better than better than most people's. Well, we have more Liam questions to get through. If you were David Stearns taking over this team, what free agents would you personally target? Money is no object, of course. What do you make of the speculations of the Mets becoming the Japanese pitching excellence team? Just looking for what you guys might want to see out of the Mets this offseason. So I think it's overblown, but I do think the thing that, like, all the Japanese players don't want to congregate on one team, like, does actually exist. Sure. Um, It's overblown as a narrative, but it does exist, too. Um, So that's... Problem you can solve with money, I'm fairly certain, but... eh, For some players you can, and for some players you can't. Look, Yamamoto... Whatever you think Yamamoto is going to get 200 million from he's going to get several way more teams, than 200 yeah. million. He's going to get at least 200 million from a lot of teams. Whatever right? number you think Yamamoto is getting, he's getting like 50 million over that number. I was going to say 200 million, so 250 million. There you go. Right. Um, you know, unless it turns out that his little end of the season dip is has a physical explanation sure. as opposed to just being an end, end of the, the season, season dip. dip. Yeah. Yeah. 
the Giants will not be outbid, Jarrett. So. Yeah, I bet. Arson Yamamoto. <laughs> Orange Cassidy is still the best white meat baby face on the planet. Have a great day, Liam. P.S. Satchel Norman, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's all I got. We had a we had a Discord question uh, from the Goog. And he did put this as a cue for the P. So I am, uh, I believe, obligated to at least broach it. Make sure I get it right. Cue for the P. How do I get good at betting on sports? I will hang up and listen. Um, Stop betting on sports. That's good. Uh, it's it, it, what? No bankroll is better than a negative bankroll, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, so the traditional answer to this Mm -hmm. which again is not fun yeah is to find a relatively niche sport yes where you can develop incredible amounts of knowledge yes and um where you end up having more knowledge than low low level european tennis tournaments or the bookmakers yes for for me a long time ago the sport was ufc yeah um it wasn't sports betting for a long time for me. This was American Idol. <laughs> of course, it was. It's fucking incredible at betting on American Idol. <laughs> the things you learn. Uh, dude, the, dude, the, 439 episodes. Uh, not the, surprised, but didn't know it. The so the robo dialers that okay. like the, yeah, that sure. like Go the ahead. teenage girls use to stuff the ballots. Mm-hmm. There was a way to find out their outputs, and based on how often the busy uh, signal, the most up, degenerate the show has been in seven years. Let's based go. on how much the teenage girls and the robo dialers were getting a busy signal, you could very much figure out who was getting the votes because the most busy signals meant that those yeah. people were getting the most votes. And there you go. Uh, I mark and idle gambling secrets fifteen years later. <laughs> Show's still on somehow. Uh, um, so there you go. There you go. Uh, off, uh, um, you know, there's stuff like, um, you know, on like the prop bets or like the same game parlays, you're going to get um, stuff like the Bad Axe, um, Dark Hardy's protection system. Yeah. They're going to be able to pretty consistently beat it. Yeah. Um, I'll be fighting with a lot of people on those bets to get them. Um, but that's, you know, you, the answers are mostly models or niche sports. That's, yes. that's, that's the answer. Also models in niche sports. Yeah. Especially models <laughs> in niche sports. Um, but yeah, it's thing you have to find things where you would have some type of knowledge of the edge or the traders on the bookmaker side or intentionally setting, off lines to um, even out action that does happen occasionally. Most of them usually let it ride now because they think they're smarter than the gambling public because mm. they almost always are. <laughs> yes. Um, it's very, it's incredibly hard in any public high volume gambling thing to beat the house edge you know like 12 percent of poker players are actually long-term winning poker players i suspect the number is smaller for sports gamblers um but yeah it's you you have to 
you have to develop some sort of edge mm. on something, whether it's a sport or it's a particular model or it's a particular type of bet. And then you just have to essentially relentlessly hammer small edges, which right. also means you need a giant fucking bankroll and also a high degree of sober confidence that you're actually correct. Otherwise, yes. you're going to lose your giant bankroll. There's a great, I don't remember who wrote this, but it was a piece about horse racing. A long form piece about horse racing. Just horse races all the time. Yeah. Yeah. A few that somebody had like the had like a very small model advantage and just mm-hmm. kept hammering it and hammering it and hammering it. It's like you know it ties back to baseball. This is what the Rays do basically with their mm-hmm. player model is they will just keep hammering. Like obviously all the jokes have been made about the Cardinals DFAing Adelise Garcia at this point, mm-hmm. along with trading Randy Rosarena and Zach Gallon and. Sandy Alcantara, but if you think you have that advantage, like you're gonna get, you're gonna get pants sometimes, right? Yeah, absolutely. Goes. But the Rays, uh, the Rays have the bankroll, right? They have the bankroll. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I I was a winning poker player for a while. I was mm-hmm. in that twelve percent. I was a winning sports and prop better for a while. I don't do either of those anymore, and some of it's just because I've moved on with my life, but. Some of it was also because there were certain points where I no longer became convinced that I had edges that I previously had. Right, and the other thing just... is, like, you talk about, you know, the, you know, baseball. We we'll use baseball as an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, baseball has, you know, they're feeding this, yeah, pitch by pitch drag man data to all the mm-hmm. gambling houses and the casinos and whatnot. You don't think the casinos are hiring the best analysts they can get? Because yeah. if they get a you know a two or three percent advantage over the smartest betters, mm-hmm. it's going to pay for it. Say uh, you know whoever you're hiring off the street, public analyst or private analyst side, it's going to pay for itself in a week. Um, uh, whoever your favorite insightful public baseball analyst is, mm-hmm. there's a pretty good chance that they've been approached by sports books to go work for them, and some of them have taken it. Yep. We'll head to the Facebook group from David. Question for the podcast. Bob Nightingale wrote that Darren Baker will put up a weighted runs created plus at seventy of 75 at 24 in AAA as a top prospect. Is there any thought to adding Bob to your prospect writing team? Uh, look, we're if we do hiring, it'll be in February and March, and Bob is more than welcome. Bob has a better job. Yeah, he makes more than we can pay him, certainly. I mean, Darren Baker is going to play in the majors for Probably, a while. Yeah. He's going to be a real nice utility guy. Yeah, I, I didn't, I did. Look, I, the Nats list is the last list that's going up. I will eventually get to Darren Baker, but when I did video he's on not, Darren Baker, he's not going to. He's not. It. When yeah. I did video on Darren Baker either. a couple of years ago, like it was, he's fine. Like he's not. It's no ability to impact the ball, but he plays a bunch of positions. Yeah. He, yeah, you know, that's nice versatility. Puts the bat like, on the, the ball. He's Dusty Baker's kid. The Nats are going to put yeah. him in the majors because that's kind of how the Nats still work. Yeah, let's let's pull. Up. Yeah, we can we can do Darren. He was in Triple A. He was in Triple A. Right? Yeah, let's, let's let's, yeah, this is going to take a while because it's yeah. late at night. But the, the hamsters get are... the gerbil running on the wheel. Yeah, so this yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's he's fine. Yeah. There goes an um, alcoholic stout. 
Is he a top prospect? No. no, he keeps being put in the future. Yeah, him and Gang mentioned in Bob Nightingale's columns because his dad <laughs> is, which is fine. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't. You know, the Nationals also don't have any prospects, so that also tends to feed into that. Uh, reliably informed by Nationals Twitter, that's not true, Jared. But I guess that's my cross to bear this year. Mixing yeah. Up. Well, yeah. You can deal with the Mets people. I'll deal with the Nets people. Good luck when you write up Brady House as a low impact 55, is all I have to say about that. Look, man. He's a low impact 55. That's what he is. (laughs) Uh, Well, you're pulling up that data. Oh, it's still going. It's Uh, still going. We should note that the Mets have placed the following players on outright. Outright waivers per sources: Anthony Como, Anthony K, Benny Natoli, Michael Perez, Rafael Ortega, Jonathan Arauz, and Danny Mendick. Anthony K got claimed by the Athletic. Sure, a little surprised they didn't keep K, but whatever. Yeah, I mean he wasn't actually going to make it all the way through. Probably it finally not. came up. Yeah. Would you like to guess? What are you going to What are you going to give me? Darren Baker's average exit velocity and mean launch angle in AAA this season. AAA this year. Uh. 85.7 and 4.4. 84.5 and negative 1.5. Well, I give him more credit than I probably He does have. run a 91% in zone well, he contact. He makes contact, right? yeah, he makes contact. Yeah, he makes an obscene amount of contact and does not do much with it. And is a second baseman. He will be a perfect <laughs> Washington National. Q for the P from Kyle. Uh, we already did this one. This one last week. It's, uh, yeah. All right, so QVD from Charles. I just scrolled right past that one. The Mets have been reluctant. Oh, I did this one, too. Wow. Did I read that all the questions? For some reason, I thought there were more Facebook questions than there uh, actually were. That's all the correspondence. Yeah, we can get out of here. How is this segment still 31 minutes? I don't know. Oh, Liam had a very long email. That's fine. The show's like an hour 45 now. It's probably good enough, right? Yeah, yeah, I, it's like I don't have any wrestling. You want to go to bed? I don't really have any wrestling stuff. Like they gave away MJF versus Kenny Omega in Uncasville, Connecticut. The Mohegan Sun Ric Flair is now. Ric Flair is yeah, 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 sure. It's uh, company, they've it's announced company, that it's, it's, this company is speed running. It's not even speed running WCW. It's speed running TNA. I don't think Flair's actually that involved, but I know you're a little more down on it than I am right now. They also have a December pay per view. Uh, in Long Island. Yeah, speedrunning TNA. Yeah, well, The whatever. Nassau Coliseum, the literal worst place in the United States of America How dare to run you. a wrestling pay-per-view. It's impossible to get to. MJF, sir, will... Uh, it, ha- it has the worst crowds about in that. human history, and there's a nicer arena like 20 minutes down the street. <sighs> On that note, we'll see you next week for another edition for all you kids out there a podcast not listened to by a lot of Long Islanders I'm sure with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.